Chapter 7 The Elementary Doctrines and the Maturing Sun The elementary doctrines both identify aspects of the culture of the corporate sun and provide the means by which that culture is established in every believer. This process is inextricably tied to the concept of maturity. Specifically, the stages of the maturing Son of God depend upon the working of the elementary doctrines in a believer's daily life. Scripture identifies these stages of sonship as a means of identifying one's maturity level within a range of an infant son to the one who has reached his or her full representation of God the Father within the greater body. In a similar way, the stages of sonship may describe the maturing of the corporate son, the body of Christ, as the body matures through new revelation across epochs of time. Stages of Sonship The stages of sonship begin with the infant or the newly born-again believer and progress to the mature son. Each stage refers to a particular Greek term for son, its meaning, and the manner in which it is used in Scripture. The infant son, or the earliest stage, is called the napios stage. When one is first born again, that person is a son of God and therefore an heir to the house of God. However, the napios, though an heir, does not differ at all from a slave, although he is owner of everything. The newborn believer is like an heir under guardianship. Such an heir is not sufficiently trained or mature enough to have free access to the resources of the household, though he is an heir to everything in it. Regarding the teaching and training of the nepias, that person is ready only for milk, which is described in scripture as the opposite of a message of wisdom among the mature. In Hebrews 5, 12-14, we read, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant, or napios. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. One should note that the writer of Hebrews prescribes specifically the elementary doctrines as the starting place for the infant son of God and identifies the mature as one who has practiced them. Paul also equated the message for those in this infantile state as preaching nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified, and that this message is in contrast to a message of wisdom for the mature. The Napios stage is one in which great learning and foundation are necessary but one in which the individual does not freely or intentionally access the resources of the house of God for lack of maturity. The next stage in sonship is the Padaeon stage, often translated in scripture as a child or children. John writes, I am writing to you fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I am writing to you men, Neoniscus, because you have overcome the evil one. I have written to you children, Padaeon, because you know the father. A padeon is a young child. In scripture, the term is used for one who is able to recognize the father. This stage may be considered the second stage of sonship, as it is at times synonymous with a child who is an infant. The technon stage comes next, and it is the first stage in which the son is sufficiently mature to be given responsibility and the opportunity to respond to rule. In terms of maturity, the technon is still considered a child. In terms of sonship, however, the technon is a son who is sufficiently mature to engage a reciprocal relationship with the father. Jesus told the following parable, which involves sons who are in the technon stage of maturity. A man had two sons, and he came to the first and he said, Son, go work today in the vineyard. And he answered, I will not. But afterwards he regretted it, and he went. The man came to the second son and said the same thing, 
And he answered, I will, sir. But he didn't go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, well, the first. And Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you that the tax collectors and the prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you. That's Matthew 21, 28 through 31. These sons are at sufficient maturity to be given rule and responsibility, but whose inconsistencies in carrying out the will of their father show that more training is necessary before they are the sons who are the complete representation of the father. The next stage, the Neoniscus stage, is similar to the maturity of young men. I am writing to you fathers because you know him who has been from the beginning. And I am writing to you, young men, Neoniscus, because you have overcome the evil one. I have written to you, children, because you know the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, Neoniscus, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's 1 John 2, 13-15. This is the stage of the overcomer. It is a son who has been tested and displayed strength, and who, in this testing, has represented the word of God. The Neoniscus is no longer a child, and the implication of overcoming the evil one indicates one who has been refined greatly through suffering. The final stage of sonship is Weos. This is the son who may be sent as a full, complete representation of the father. Perhaps the most important distinction of the Weos in scripture follows the parable of the man with two technon sons, when Jesus tells the following parable. And there was a landowner who planted a vineyard and put a wall around it, and he dug a wine press in it, and he built a tower, and he rented it out to vine growers and went on a journey. When the harvest time approached, he sent his slaves to the vine growers to receive the produce. The vine growers took his slaves and beat one and killed another and stoned a third. Again, he sent another group of slaves, larger than the first, and they did the same thing to them. But afterwards, he sent his son, Huias, to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the vine growers saw the son, they said amongst themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine growers? They said to him, He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, and will rent out the vineyard to other vine growers who will pay him the proceeds at the proper seasons. Jesus said to them, Did you never read in the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing the fruit of it. And he who falls on this stone will be broken into pieces, but on whomever it falls, it will scatter him like dust. That's Matthew 21, 33-44. The son in the parable references Christ the son who was sent. The son's representation of the father is so complete that he may be knowingly sent into harm or death and that such harm is itself an indictment against those who would reject him. The weas son carries a measure of the house of God when he is sent, establishing the standards of righteousness by his representation of the father. This is the fully mature Christ-like son. Repentance, faith toward God, baptisms, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment are the principles upon which maturity is built in each believer as he or she progresses from an infant to a son who is sent by a dispensation of God's house. These teachings form the basis of how each person may be raised in the family of God to reflect its culture.
It is from these building blocks that both the individual and the corporate son progress from salvation to the exact representation of the Father, by which the rest of the world can see God's invisible qualities put on display through His Son.